Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Pop Flash. We're at the end of the Legends stage here at the PGL Antwerp Major, and it's time for a little bit of a recap here with our two analysts, Richard Lewis and Thorin. I'm your host, Semler, and let's get right into the thick of things. Gentlemen, it's been uh, it's been like a week or so since we caught up. We managed to get a, like a preamble going into the Major, some thoughts going into it. So now we get to hear a little bit about uh, what you guys think so far that, uh, well, you know, we're a couple weeks in. Richard, how are you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, been obviously watching and uh, co-streaming the major, uh, bless you, uh, since the uh, g games have started. And, um, you know, we've had some already pretty, oh, yeah, I'll go with there's that. Some shocking results. I mean, yeah, you know, there's a real, lot to talk about this episode. Uh, we said coming into it, this major was the most wide open major, maybe in history, certainly since Krakow. Uh, and uh, it really is there for the taking, uh, for whoever wants it. And right now, there are a number of teams that should have been in contention that haven't impressed me much. Some are already out of the competition. And uh, we've had a few surprise packages of people stepping up their game at the right time. So no doubt a few more twists and turns before we crown our champions. So, I mean, the top eight is something to behold. Uh, yeah. Thorne, how are you thinking, man? What are you thinking about this? Jaded. Jaded. Shit major. Garbage. Don't even care about the results now. There's about three games I care about. Brilliant. We'll see if they go work. Probably someone will just have a shit game and it'll just be over. Here's what sucks. Think about what the last episode was like. The best thing about the previous phase of the tournament war, yes, it still had the same problems of seeding issues. And the, like, let's be real, Swiss has just shown itself not to be a great system. And the Bukholt system maybe does something but doesn't always mm. work. Right. Yes, but even so, luckily... The teams that didn't get through, it was like, yeah, it's like Astralis doesn't get through. Like they were borderline anyway. That's fine. That's not the end of the world. Forza, like they were, they were just an up and coming team. The problem was this, right? You thought to yourself, forget this, the format. Let's just hope things go well. And we got all the big teams. That was the best thing. We got all the big teams, right? Mm. Mate, this is why you cannot have this format. Because when you have all the big teams, this format shows you that you will never get to the top eight you want. It doesn't matter who wins and loses, by the way. You can even go and look at who was paired in the rounds. Like, I'll give you an example. You want to give all the praise in the world, of course, to Copenhagen, Flames, and Team Spirit, right? Remember, they were both teams that at one point were two and zero off the BO1s, but then they get to play each other. So Team Spirit played two BO1s. Listen, a lot of teams can win a BO1, and then they won a BO3 over a team that's not that good. The kid that barely got in the playoffs. Like, so it's like, that. my problem is, like, some of those matchups were, like... It's people already had those calculators, so they actually could figure out what the matchup was going to be. But even your vibe was always like, "Oh God, these two teams. I hope they don't. Oh, they. Oh, they do play. Oh, well, they will just be playing in the like." And so you ended up with that scenario where like Imperial plays Copenhagen Flames for the last spot, but then like G two plays like fucking Outsiders, and then Vitality plays Heroic. Like, what is this? What is this tournament? Because here's that the problem: people always say that shit. You can only beat who's in front of you. Stop putting the fucking wrong teams in front. Because if people don't know, this isn't based off any you earned it's actually the opposite of what you earned if it was based on what you earned it would go off like your career like the tennis circuit does with its points and its seeding this is based i'm not joking on a bunch of bo1s in the previous phase and then one best of three so the problem with that is the maddest one of all to me is this like i'm not joking boys go to the beginning of the major and have a look who copenhagen flames plays to get this far you won't believe yeah. it you won't think this was the major you'll think you're still looking at the rmr or something you'll think they're in the top eight. They must have had a crazy run. They didn't. Go and look who they played. And even worse, I'll add in one other detail I found out yesterday that triggered the fuck out of me. Because I was looking into that whole sticker thing because of Richard's story about the nip thing of like they didn't pay out in 2020, right? Because I was looking into one angle that does not add up at all. And now I know why. Which is if they really... If, if, stickers got each player 200 to 300k and that's without the org cut and then in theory the org cuts 50 percent then spoiler copenhagen flames wouldn't sell their team would they because just making these two majors would make them so much money that actually if anything with the salaries they were paying they'd be bang they'd actually be like profitable or something mental but that's because it was only that major because it was the one where they sold the stickers for longer and because it wasn't a major i'm sure it had like extra value because they're going to be rare stickers and then also valve did that thing to subsidize the teams right so the actual 
capsule stickers otherwise. It's actually based, if people don't know, about what capsule you're in. And even that, by the way, has lock. Like, for example, if you get in the really good capsule, but it's like this major and maybe some shit teams are in there, you don't get to sell as many. Meanwhile, if like Navi was in the shittest capsule, you want to be in the shittest capsule because the point is, if you don't know, you don't even buy the stickers individually. The capsules, like buying an old sticker pack back in the day in footy, isn't it? You have to buy like 10 of them to get a Man United player to trade for the one you want to wear. You don't just get it straight away. So they also encourage you to buy more, right? So what I'm going to get to is this. What yeah. determines which of the sticker capsules <clears throat> you're in? These motherfucking RMRB ones. Copenhagen Flames winning those two BO1s in the RMR just gets them into the top capsule, etc. Right? So now we're basing the money that people run the org off and the players make their living off of silly BO1s in a bad structure. Not the whole circuit. This would be like if you played the whole golf circuit out and at the end you had a silly, like, fucking fantasy, like, exhibition tournament. That's where all the money was. What? This isn't even a sport, guys. It's not even... Here's what's whack. It's not a sport. And we're not even doing the good matchups. So it's not even WWE. It's just nothing. It's just fucking nothing. Now, what's sad is within that, yeah, some teams played great. But I'll, there's the other side. Once I'm done with the format complaint, and I've got to say this, I thought the level of play was pretty bad at this major so far. The other one, it had an excuse. No one was online. We had all those teams with dodgy rosters. People like, think of all the big names at this tournament. How many of them were beaten and you were like, well, hats off to you. You are just whipped. What? Like, did anyone watch that Cloud9 versus Imperial game and go, well, if Imperial's just that good, they're probably like the second best team. That No, everyone watched it and went, Jesus, what's up with the Cloud9? Like, did they just shit the bed completely? Yeah. Like, holy shit, wait, they're getting destroyed by them. Now, remember, again, you'd be going, what, for their new force in Counter-Strike? It's got to be Imperial. No one thought that. No one thought that. I noticed even the odds, by the way, for the Copenhagen Flames game, still had Copenhagen Flames as the favourite, the betting favourite, and guess what? They did win 2-0. And if you go back before the Imperial game, a lot of people don't know this, Richard. This is how you know these fans are all full of shit. The odds were something mental, like 5-1 to one for Imperial. So if everyone really believed, like they said, they'd all be rich as fuck right now, mate. Everyone could have 5X'd their money. That, By the way, I don't know if people know this. In the modern day, the big odds makers aren't idiots. They're actually amazing. Because since I, on some of my stuff, have to do, like, this are the odds. And that, the amount of times I'm like, that's a bit too big for the odds. And I take, like, an under... No, and you're just wrong. You're just wrong so many times, mate. They're actually masters of what they do. So to bring it all back, the problem I have to say is this. If you took the nameplates off and I just watched the games, I still don't feel like I've properly felt the major. I know it's the major in the sense of, like, they might go th or through and they might get eliminated. The, the narrative part's there. But, like, world-class counter I haven't seen that many games yet, mate. Yeah. I've watched a lot I'll, of them. I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you, this tells its own story. The best team I've seen at the major, hands down, like in terms of performance, hands down Na'Vi. Now keep in mind, they also had a game, like G2 essentially choked in their own, yes. in a best of one against them. Best of ones though, you know, whatever. But then the next best team probably I've seen in terms of just like lights out Counter-Strike has been NIP without device. So, yeah, they're very good. So, but, but I mean, that's that's madness. That That is, you know, like, so I, I agree. I, I don't think the standard's been particularly good. What I will add is, I think there are some mitigating circumstances around that. I also think as well, currently, the way the meta's been trending um, and the map pool within that meta, you know, we've seen loads of Vertigo. We've seen loads of Ancient. Almost like every day, it feels yeah, yeah. like you're just watching Vertigo and Ancient one after the other. And I don't think those maps lend themselves to particularly exciting games. Um That's also true. That's yeah, I mean, from a viewer perspective, obviously, I'm sure for the players, uh, you know, very exciting, loads of minutia and that, but that's stuff that doesn't translate to the viewer. So, like, uh, you know, I kind of feel that we're in a very stagnant period of CS anyway. I think this kind of like, you know, overpowered, you know, silenced M4, uh, you know, with the a very generous economy for the T side, uh, you know, a save meta for the CT side. You're essentially encourage. You're essentially and the maps that are in, you know, vogue. If you like, you combine all of that. We've got a pretty boring Counter Strike landscape overall, and it needs to be addressed because one of the things that's really stood out to me during the major is if this was some Zoomers first major, and I was telling them like, come watch Counter Strike. It's the most exciting esport of all time, which historically has been true. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I I don't think they're coming back for a second major, frankly, based on the level, based on not just the level of play, but what the play entails, what the optimal play looks like in world class counter sites. It's not very sexy. It's not very exciting at the moment.
who who are we? I mean, I suppose you've kind of answered that question already, though, in terms of like who really was uh, here to get the job done. And Navi, I mean, another one took it is going to be heroic, obviously. Mm-hmm. They've, they've done Sorry, a pretty, that, pretty classic job all through. Ence has been pretty professional. Like, there have been the teams that have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm pulling, you know, Navi out and putting them on, on the pedestal. I think with everything that's been going on, by the way, it's sort of crazy that they've stood out as the best looking team overall for me. But yeah, I think that is something. Yeah. But, I, but I, I legit do think as well, just, you know, honestly, I think, uh, that you're never going to see another major like this in terms of there is a very real potential for an underdog win because phase oh, yes. came phase came in as like cl- you know clear runaway favorites their games were meh you know they 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 just got the job done obviously lost the best of one um and then it's I like who, knows if they'd actually had a real game in that cloud nine one man that was a freebie yeah. when are you ever going to get that in history you know it's, it's, exactly and with all the I other like that the, was a mistake the nuke pick yeah when are you oh, ever going to get that, that was an error isn't that mental? <laughs> I mean, not. listen, like the the Cloud Nine team. I guess we can talk about that a little bit here. Yeah, right? so let's go ahead. They, let's go ahead and talk yeah. about Cloud Nine. There's multiple levels on that one, and uh, a Cloud Nine. Okay, so already just kicking off Cloud Nine. The return of the brand to Counter Strike. Opportunistic moment comes up for the organization. They see a chance to get in here. They see a team that most likely they think is going to get them to the top eight and some representation again awesome. in the CS scene. And here we are. They don't make the cut. They go out thirteenth in the uh, legend stage. So already cloud nine, what did we think of their performance here? Well, listen, people have to understand, right? I know it's exciting that cloud nine's come back uh, and picked up a team that we've all, you know, enjoyed. Yes. They rose to prominence in the online era, but you can't deny that when them and Navi had their back and forth, had their beef, seeing me playing each other in a best of five every fucking week. That was a wicked period. That was as good as the online era got basically. And yeah. so, and they've been instrumental in spurring Navi on to greatness as it presented itself in Stockholm. The problem is, I don't think this Cloud9 team has ever transitioned into the LAN era. It just hasn't happened. That you know, it's been sort of dead on arrival. You know, it started, and and they've not handled the media. You know, multiple interviews. We don't get intimidated by by a crowd. You're a former academy side. You've never played in front of a crowd. How would you know? Nafani, we will play the same on a stage or at LAN as we would online. How the fuck do you know you've never been to a real land? Trust me, it's a different game, different ballpark. Set themselves up to fail. Then, you know, as I said, they were never over with the community to begin with. They were never a fan favorite. They were beating Navi, getting a lot of abuse when they did. Called on liners. Then, obviously, geopolitical situation happens and Russians have become the pariahs of the world. You, you move into that. You, yeah, of course. Uh, 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 you know, and and you know, it's 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 not reasonable for these guys. Then you have all of the drama around the signatures coming into the major. You know, Shiro does a little squiggle. Suddenly, he's like a fucking you know right wing Putin sympathizer. You know, monster. You don't need that as your prep when you're a star player having to come out and make a statement to say, look, it's very difficult for me to condemn the war because of our situation at home, but I'm not I'm not pro-Putin. They're also currently in the process of relocating. Cloud9 are trying course, to get them yeah. to Serbia, maybe, is, is a proposed place, but that hasn't happened yet. It didn't happen ahead of the major. There's lots of moving parts going on in Europe right now. So you've had... The worst fucking prep imaginable. Let's and the all shit dropping as well. Yeah, and let's all... yeah, exactly the Hobbit stuff coming and, up, and, and we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, let's, but let's also just talk about before this. You know, I am Katowice playing didn't get through ESL Pro League seven to twentieth out in the groups. Right, their win rate over the past three months is twenty five percent. Cloud9 have not picked up the championship-winning side of the online era. They have picked up a team of youngsters that are trying to find their identity while being attacked from all sides. And they've come to this major and they looked terrible. Their eyes are not on the ball. When was the last time you heard of a pro team fuck up a veto pick? Keep in mind, this isn't the old days with the buttons, not yeah. like the ESL where you have 30 seconds and you have to click on the veto and you, you do a misclick. That's happened once or twice. This was an oral veto with no time limit and they fucked it up. And by the way, they that's a permaban, guys. That, they're not even a team yeah. that like rotate the band. That is the permaban that they've had the whole time we've been in Counter-Strike. 
And just as a side, so that's like someone going up to like you know back in the day the most famous ones ever were like uh, the old Australians never used to play cobblestone for example. That's like if you went up to them like what are you banning today and they were like I don't know what fuck does too. You were like don't you always ban oh yeah oh shit cobblestone exists my bad like what (laughs) What like that I agree that's because if people don't know the old major used used to actually manually use the valve client thing so yeah you could misclick obviously human error in that sense but I think that's what even people thought when it said human error right but they meant human error as in a human just fucked up with his brain. Yeah, yeah, and look, just as a sidebar, by the way, all of the fans clamoring for PGL to redo a veto, you're out of your fucking mind. That can never be allowed in this oh, sport. Not. Because obviously you could make a mistake Hate in a veto, yeah. see your see your yep. opponent's surprise pick, or hear them discussing it, and then you can go, oh, whoa, 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 time out, we want to do it again. Absolute cretins, yes. a lot of you. That is not on PGL, that is very much on Gambit. So look, the fact that and also the other thing is the other classic one is you know when the fans go but both teams would have agreed like Carrigo again I've said this a million times players don't decide the rules or agree them impromptu the tournament makes the rules that yep. that will always be the rule ne- I don't care that they go like, but we've agreed well then fuck off and do an exhibition tournament in the car park mate don't do it at the major though the major runs by the major's rules yeah and then obviously you know look you lose the best of one and they're pretty close all right, you lose sure. the best of one. The phase pretty close. Can happen. The imperial result is unconscious. It, it, right, I, know, I, I know the day before the Hobbit story dropped, and obviously I'm the guy that went out and got it all fucking translated and stuff. And people have been attacking me. Obviously, I've had the Kazakhstan mafia say they're going to brick my head in. I, I retweeted that one. Hilariously, the Kazakhstani mafia can only afford bricks and not guns, but whatever. So you know, like the the, the that is the, a good one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> uh, I'll, I think I'll be all right until you upgrade homies you know what i mean but anyway the fucking imperial right game yeah that, that's when the story drops the day before but here's the thing it wasn't my timetable it wasn't my t- not, not, not that it would have mattered anyway it was already public for two three yes. days it was already coming down the pipe i reached out to cloud nine and i said like have you seen these allegations and they said no we didn't know so i had the unfortunate you know duty if you like of breaking the news to them but it was always coming it was always there and actually you can argue had i chosen elected to ignore Listen, it e6 style get ready yeah yeah. It would be worse, wouldn't it, if you, if afterwards, by the way, and God no. forbid he ever got caught, they would go, he allowed him to win a mage. That, exactly, yeah. you can't win with that mage. You can't I, win. I saw the same thing. People also did that thing, just like our our pal Nell, where this is how you know someone actually is a moron, if they were, if they know anything about the esports industry. This is why for Nell, it's unforgivable. He did that thing with the stickers. Yeah. Bro, you think that sticker was made yesterday because you saw it today? Yeah. Do you not know how time works even? Like how could you think Richard in the morning was like, right, 8 a.m., take a call to Kazakhstan, 9 a.m., drop the story, 10 a.m., Hobbit Place. Like what fucking schedule do you think people are on? Like the story, that story is, as he said, that isn't even his story. It broke, so he has to report it. Like yeah. people had every detail wrong there. You'd think, by the way, if you make an accusation that essentially the journalist is intentionally fucking with someone, you might want to check if he's even the one that had all the info first on the timeline. You know, nah, let's just make accusations as usual. Uh, on, on behalf of him. Imperial, no less. I know. <laughs> you know, so now the Brazil fans love me. They love me again, Sebler. They love me. Right. So anyway, look, point being, uh, like everything that could go wrong has been going wrong for the newly acquired Cloud9 players, including a very unfortunate geopolitical situation that's going to force them to relocate. And, and like, I didn't have high expectations for them at this major because of it. If you look at the form, if you look at all the things that ha- happened, and obviously the Hobbit story was just sort of the final nail in the coffin. The result against Imperial is unforgivable, but you could see they were distracted. You could see they weren't the usual selves. And the question is now, post-major, you know, can they bounce back? I also don't know what's going to happen with any ESIC investigation into Hobbit. I don't know if, uh, I don't know what infractions they're going to find him guilty of or whether he'll do a suspension of any kind and what that'll do to the team. So it's a very strange time for Cloud9 that, you know, the org itself probably thinking right now they can't catch a break. Basically, that was my takeaway from it is that they just can't, they must be reeling after this because they finally pull the trigger to, get, trigger to get back into CSGO. They finally feel like they've got a team that they can get behind. They're going to invest and the rug gets pulled out again every single time. It's a, it's a real struggle for this. Uh, for I mean, this to brand. be fair, at least with this one, they probably won't have lost money on the yeah, deal. This was all right, be- I think. Because when I was doing my research for the NIP story that, that I published, about the stickers, apparently the 2020 capsule, if you were a Legends, it was about $3 million. So, for each of the Legends well, teams. So then so. They, they, I mean, if if it's true that the buyout was a million, plus some mm-hmm. other costs, you know, they're, they're what? They're probably a million and a half up. Not too shabby. 
I mean, I mean as yeah, you say, it was an opportunistic dependent. buy. You know, you were getting, you, what you were doing there is you were hoping you got like a, a min-max deal, like only a million to buy them, but then they come top four and I get my stickers and I've got a world-class team. So it's like, first of all, all those things in theory, I mean, Richard's obviously painting a bad picture where he doesn't see it happening, but in theory, you would still say it can turn the corners the rest of the year, blah, blah, blah. There's even the element, by the way, where like... All you have to do is change one player, maybe. Remember, you can bring in other players. Before, we didn't even conceive of that because this lineup was so good. You've got Groove as well. So you can you can scout the talent. Yeah. There's a million factors. Like, think of those young fours of people. No one knew who any of those people were. Like, they were top frag in the tournament and shit. So, like, I still think, here's the thing. The problem I have is for Cloud9, it's fine. Especially because, like... They already was a little bit dodgy how they got that team anyway. So whatever. You didn't, you didn't, your gamble didn't pay off. My problem is for the actual players in this team. That's the thing I'm concerned about because their mental is going to be utterly broken for the one area we need them to become good in, which is these big land matches. Because what people don't know, Samuel, is this. This is why we have done such a disservice to Counter-Strike fans by that fucking stupid, it's always ESL who has to sell you the false bill of goods. Because they had to brag so much about how they had the first land during COVID. By the way, Semler, think how fucking objectionable it is that when I jokingly memed that we were the only land tournament left when Flashpoint hadn't yet been sanctioned, I was mocking people dying, etc. But then when ESL's like, we're the only ones that do lands, when everyone else is like, we don't because we think you die. Like, what world is this? What madness have we created where we can shift the goalposts? So when ESL bragged about IEM Cologne in 2021 being a land, we ruined the whole premise of what what land count strike is because it wasn't it was people in hotel rooms playing on a server with less ping that's what it was that yeah. isn't LAN LAN is where put it this way if I'd put you there Semler in the room next to the broom closet next to them casting would you be like I'm on LAN again and here I am with no you'd be like I'm in a broom closet mate this is nothing the whole point of LAN is the roar of the crowd it's, a, it's the reason why James Bardolph lost his bloody mind last time because he only got to do one match and he wanted to be in front of that crowd that angle I can get by the way that is being a common commentator at the top level of Counter-Strike. So yep. for me, these players, people don't know this. There's a story to be told here, which is they never, ever broke through in the big stage matches. Because what people don't get is this. After the major last year, what made it look like they did similar was one, they sneakily, while other people were having other tournaments, went to that LAN in fucking Czech Republic and beat Entropic in a LAN final. Even then, by the way, they were semi-choking and won on the last map in a best of five. But they got like, oh, we got our LAN title, boys. We play on LAN now. Just a fucking no-name tournament. In, it was like the V4 Future Festival or whatever. No, it wasn't. That was like one year earlier this year. It was some fucking tournament in Czech Republic or whatever. Then after that, they came along. And if you remember, they went to the Blast Grand Final, didn't they, Samler? Spoiler, no crowd. That was just an empty room. So what, what it made it look like is like, what? Now they've sort of overcome it. But if you look, like Richard said, you run down the results this year, nothing at IEM kind of eats it. By the way, nothing. Not even like, you know, oh, they came that Nothing. And then the Pro League one's mental as well. Because, yes, I feel bad for them that they had to play Carrigan's phase. They just always seem to have their number. But it's like, bro, eventually you have to win one of these games. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just take the beating every time. So, to me, I actually do think as a team, they've just never managed to get over that hump. And the reason why it's so tragic to me is it actually is reminiscent of, like, on a lesser degree, what Heroic does. Because here's mm. the other problem. If it's at the beginning of the tournament, Oh, they'll have a game where they'll look fucking amazing, mate. Like, if you go look at the stats of some of these Gambit players, they're perfect, dude. Like, the team looks like, holy shit, this is the Gambit of last year. Like, if people don't know, Shiro's numbers and, like, that impact beater on HR is mental. He breaks it. He's one of those people who makes it, like, like James now. It's like, well, like, not James. He's the opposite one for that. But he just breaks the, the, the impact meter, right? On, he ain't supposed to be a top five player in the world. But you put him in these matches, put him in that Imperial match. No, he isn't. Because the problem is the pressure gets to him. It ruins it. And the reason why the Imperial one to me was the ultimate one is this. Because like I mentioned about them playing FaZe in Pro League, right? They've had three of these big land moments be where they get eliminated by FaZe Clan and Carrigan specifically. So the problem there is you go, well, that is a super veteran who's the best at like adapting. You know, it's like that's exactly the guy that would beat you. Imperial isn't, mate. Imperial is not that team. If people don't know, FNX in this phase where they were winning this match was probably one of the worst players to ever play at a major. I'm not exaggerating. Go look at the stats. Go watch the games. He is getting no fucking kills. If for this segment of the major assembly, he averaged 0.48 kills per round. Right. I, 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 don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever heard a number that low, ever, in Counter-Strike, a, a major. 
as in for like a real player, not like, you know, when they invited like an Indian team and they came last and they never played for what. This is mental. And then, and this is despite the fact their team's winning games, remember? And then on top of that, you go and look at that series. It's a perfect example of what Cloud9's flaws were. Because remember, they're not playing at a real team that's going to knock you out. Essentially, they you have to play down to their level. And then when you play down to their level, they'll beat you because they have experience and they're not shitting their pants. You're pissing your pants because it's getting close. They're not because they've been there a million times. They're hoping they can win. So think how the game went. Cloud9, for real, almost won that first game. It was an overtime game. It was back and forth. It was great counseling. Everyone was like, what a great series this is going to be. What was the next map? Absolute ultra shit stomp. Cloud9 easily wins. Because guess what? In that scenario, like, okay, it's just 1-1. One, one. Not really still pressure at this point in time. Third map. You have to know this map to know why Cloud9 is fucked in these games. And this isn't even, by the way, you know, we've actually got to the crowd. This is just real pressure, though. You know, if you don't win this map, you're out of the major. The map that comes up, Semler, you couldn't write it better for them. The universe said to them, please go through to the next round. You get Mirage, which is literally one of your home maps. Your entire time with this lineup. I went and looked it up. This five-man lineup had played 72 times on Mirage, and they had won 53 times. And by the way, when you go and look at those teams, I'm not joking, they've probably played Na'Vi, like, I'm going to guess, like, 15 times out of that. They used to just beat Na'Vi with... So, like, that is, like, another scenario. If you remember, it was the last major on Vertigo, they did the same thing. They had a godlike Vertigo win streak, and then they just blew it to, like, Entropic or some shit like that. So, like, that just shows to me there's something mental with these players. Like, their game can disappear. This reminds me on some level of, like, the old Astralis guys, except the difference is, like... Here's the problem that these guys have that Astralis didn't. Remember, a lot of people used to hate on Astralis when they didn't go, actually, you just overrate them. They're not actually that good. They've never won because they're not that best. You know, Nip's better than them, VP's better than them. The problem is, because we've seen online what's capable with no pressure and just, like, play every day with your normal form, we can't get that out of our mind. It's burned into our mind. And unless you can meet up to that, you will always feel like a failure. And so the saddest thing is, if there wasn't an online period, this would still be... They'd basically be now what Entropic was. It'd be like, oh, up-and-coming team. One day they're going to be really good, Richard. I'll tell you what, that Shearock out with till he gets in Na'Vi. One, now, now none of that's ever going to happen. Now, at the moment, this lineup somehow collectively has to break through. That's one of the tough things. That's why I give the Instralis analogy. Because it's like, it's one thing if one player chokes. If the whole team has that problem, man, that's like the nightmare if you're the, if you're the coach, if you're the team or because oh and the other sad thing as well is this right i have to also say i also got the vibe quite frankly that because all they've done is have nafani play defense here's the thing if i use that angle it doesn't seem as bad maybe he's trying to take pressure off his fellow teammates but i will say this have you noticed how once we got to land none of them talk cocky nobody says big confident things from this team either yeah. Like, I don't think this is the really bad sign because when that happens, it means, you know, I don't want to set myself up to get wrecked if I look silly. That's the problem. Like, you know what? As much as people might say, why is Cadian talking shit to Glaive? He's got four minutes. I like that he does because it means he actually thinks he can beat him. He even wants to set the stage that if I beat you, let's make this the maximum possible bragging rights for me. I love that. I would love it if he did that. Imagine they came out against it and they were like, you know what? Navi, like actually, well, probably not the team to pick right now, sadly, because of the fucking narratives, but you just pick a great team phase. We will beat you if we play, of course. In fact, that veto meant nothing. When we see you in the final, we'll smash you. You'll never hear that out of these players. And that's how I know these players are in a fucking dark place, mate. It's the difference between playing not to lose and playing to win. Sure. When you're in that mind frame, getting out of that mind frame where you're just scared to lose, it's and so you're you're playing with that way. You know, the, the you hesitate. You don't you don't necessarily just go for the jugular. Uh, it's such a difficult mindset. We've seen so many teams get caught in that in the past. May so, may I may I propose a topic? Horse similar. See, because <laughs> there are there there are a bigger failure for me than even Cloud9, because Cloud9 has all these mitigating circumstances around them. As I said, I'm actually quite sympathetic to everything that they're having to go through at such a young age to sure. and, 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 and trying to find a path to greatness all the while, you know, in the spotlight. However, one team I think has been a bigger failure that I have none of that sympathy for, Vitality. Awesome. Oh, okay. I was expecting Liquid, but Vitality, fair enough. Oh, we can I have no sympathy for Liquid. Nah, Liquid's yeah. never going to go through. Yeah, I mean, banging on NA. Banging on NA is just too easy. Map, like, on. A thing. It's just... Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And as he says, it's fucking we Team Liquid. Vitality, certainly. When Team Liquid get nervous, they just pull their own pants down and bend over. They're, so, just, they're just trained. So... Uh, <laughs> Also, as well, there, there, might, there might be a there might be a subwatch that thing that we have to do as well. Oh yeah, there, yeah. Oh, and uh, Thorin, I think you you said that you wanted to run the you wanted to take the ball on this one. So uh, yes, 
So obviously, I'll, get, I'll even, here's the thing. I like to break the fourth wall. So if people don't know, the premise here, it's quite a clever premise, but this is how marketing works. You're going to think, because I explain it to you, well, I don't follow what marketing does. You do. Like, if, what happens is it basically it, it contacts your, your sub brain and basically it works that way. So speaking of your sub brain, use your fucking brain and subscribe to this Dexato channel because the thing is, we're trying to catch up to people, right? As in people have got more subs than us. We're trying to catch up to them, you know, probably even do some insincere shit like just go, oh, thanks for 112K, guys, as all the other 111 did anything while well, they're not guy clicked the button like, i never understood that logic myself but basically we thought to ourselves why not really push the boat out there instead of just being one where we're 3k away or something pgl themselves the actual major their fucking youtube channel only has 174k which is wild to me i would have expected it to be like fucking million or something like all the tournaments they do so why don't we just catch them in fact here's what i would say if anything about this major's annoyed you if you're a brazilian fan and you're angry that imperial isn't in if you're a fan of g2 and you think this is bullshit why do we have to play the heroic in that game uh, whatever if you're a fucking vitality fan and you're like zewu he should be better than this. They must be racist against French people. Then ratio PGL by subscribing to this channel. And if this channel ever gets over PGL, I don't think PGL should get majors anymore. I think DeSoto should be offered them all. That's not even a genuine statement, that last part. That was a joke, that last part. All about that. <laughs> but go. subscribe anyway for the memes. Subscribe for the memes and leave some comments below as well. If you guys agree, if, if, if Duncan missed anything, just drop it in the comments below. All right, getting into Vitality. Let's, uh, let's, let's, because this is definitely one of the two teams that have dropped major money and that there are some high expectations on. It looked like they were going to get a, the ball rolling uh, going into this, and they do not make top eight. And no. I think that's a particularly painful situation for a team that has made it made very bold statements from management saying that they were going to do everything they can to get success for Zaiwu and to start picking up some trophies. They're spending the money, they're making the moves, and yet they still fall short on the big stage moments. So, mm. Richard, kick us off here. What do you what do you think about this Vitality team? Yeah, I mean, look, dude, uh, this is why I wanted to talk about it. I think it's just been dead on arrival, uh, you know, in terms of, right, if I was to tell you we were going to take the team that was arguably number two in the world at the end of the year, right? Arguably, uh, you know, they had then and had great matchups against Navi and really looked like they could, you know, even perhaps progress a little bit further, right? And by the way, spoiler, with everything that's gone on, Vitality, had they stayed together, they would have been primed to be the number one team in the world right now. Uh, but anyway, um, if you were to tell me, like, we're going to drop our weakest elements from that team, and bringing bring in the greatest coach of all time, uh, bring in Majisk, bring in Dupree, two members of the greatest core lineup of all time, and we're going to add them into this Vitality roster that has a young player who has been crowned the best in the world uh, on more than one occasion, an established you know veteran IGL. Well, I'm going to say, holy shit, this this can work, but. When that happened, when it got announced in Stockholm, the resultant podcast that me and Duncan did where we were talking about it, I said, nah, that this this will not click immediately. There, There's a lot going on under the hood of Vitality. Zonic obviously has to get his, you know, ideas across, and I'm guessing him and Apex might not view the game in the same way. You have Magisk, who actually felt a little bit aggrieved to have to hand back the IGL status to Glaive when he came back from paternity leave. I think Magisk fancies himself as having the chops for an IGL, and yet you're yeah. on a team with an established IGL, but the coach is Danish, and the coach might be calling the shots. Then on top of that, you have to create... A, you know, Zonic is trying to create a system of play that sort of plays to everyone's strengths. However, previous Vitality iterations have basically played primarily to Zewu's strengths. And so Zewu hasn't really shown up this year as a, as a truly great player. Uh, you know, I mean, there's he, if he continues on the form he's on, there's even an argument to say he might not get top five at the end of the year in the HLTV rankings, which would be crazy. But, you know, bit should be above him right now, right? Simple is. So, you know, we already can start adding names to that list. So Vitality for me, I don't know if it's a communications issue. I don't know if it's like a tactical issue. I don't know if it's like... There's some inattention in the team, but they've, been, they've just not been good. They were sixth at the RMR. They've gone out here. You know, they get battered 16-4 on the open. They lost to outsiders. That's a dead team walking. Then, fortunately, when it came to the best of threes, they got a couple of layups. They got liquid and big, right, which they should be beating. 
And then obviously they face heroic and and, and I'll tell you, some of the Counter-Strike they played in that series, I watched it all live. It was diabolically bad. Diabolically yeah, murdered, yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, heroic absolutely clowned them essentially on the two maps they won. So uh, uh you know, oh, and and Vitality got a sixteen fourteen on overpass heroics pick predicated on a couple of like incredible moments. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think this I think this team's been a flop. And I think flopping at the major like this, when you look at some of the teams I've gone through, I think it's embarrassing. Yeah, the key thing for me is, like, as you said, there's no excuse for this team. There's no surrounding external thing that's going on. They've even, remember, they've had this line up the whole year. Like, they've had months to bed this team in. If you remember, they were even doing a la fucking Astralis. This is why it's funny. It is almost like Vitality's idea, not a bad idea for businesses. You know all that fake stuff Astralis say they do? Let's just do it for real and then see if we can get the same shine. So they tried, like, team bonding exercises. They tried exercises where people speak different languages. Like, we learn a bit of French. We, you know, they were doing all sorts of clever things, right, that they thought would integrate. But I'll tell you the mistake they made here. There's two fundamental mistakes they made. <laughs> One is that it looks to me like they made the team a la football manager type games, but just where you make like the, the like for example, you sign two strikers and you sign a winger. And if they, but what you don't think about is this, what playing style do those players like? Because the biggest problem in this team I see is this. I can't actually understand what Zonic is doing in this team because it genuinely looks nothing like Astralis. They're not, they're not, again, the craziest thing is Astralis looks nothing like Astralis now they don't have Zonic and Zonic's team looks nothing like Astralis. Like that style of play has just gone from Counter-Strike boys. Instead, they play more like the old Vitality. It looks like Apex still just does all the calls and like on the fly and stuff. And when he does it right, it looks to me genuinely, and I've heard things in interviews which intimated similarly, like his style which would make perfect sense when he had no players. He just had a bunch of people willing to do what he said. And he had Zewu. The style then is like fast attack instantly. The moment you see an opening, brute force your way through there, rush on the site. Zewu will get the kills. He'll clean up. We win the round, right? When they try doing that, it looks like Dupree and Makers kill. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is the mid part of the mound. Like, this is Astralis boys. Like, you know, we waited out and then we check a spot. And I need to, I need to figure out my angle before I take that. I'll just, I'll just run in there. And where's the utility? Like, what the fuck? And there's another thing, right? The thing Richard said earlier about how they all played for Zewu. So everyone remembers that infamous Alex interview that gets clowned on forever from 2019 where he goes like, because his problem was he sort of downplayed the Zewu part of it. If he'd have just said, you have to understand, we do just totally play for this guy and flash for him, etc. That would make sense because I'll tell you what, first of all, not only ever since Alex left, you do realise Zewu's never been as consistently good. Like, that's when he's had the slumps with Apex. And then secondly, he's never in this Sonic Magus Dupree lineup ever been the real old Zewu. And so that actually makes me think, one, he's a player in interviews over the years that the information that comes out is he's actually if anything too self-sacrificing he's too unselfish because he's a young guy and he knows he isn't like doesn't have the ego that he's the best so if anything they were even saying like those stories like we want you to take over bro like just take the fucking wheel stop passing the ball to us as it were so first of all i don't think he here's the problem that means you have to play around him he's not going to say all the resources to me which the the, the ego players like the nikos and the simples do but the difference is they do it when it's appropriate and then secondly if you think of dupree and may they are the most ill-equipped players to play around a hard one-man carry. Because a moron's going to go, what are you talking about? They had Device. As far as I can tell, the genius of Astralis was the system operated and then Device just operated as a freelancer and then reconnected into the system. So the genius of it was, even someone like Glaive didn't necessarily have to like micromanage him. I don't think in Astralis that amazing utility was ever to set Device up. It was, to, it was actually team utility. It was like take an area over, help the entry guy get in, go in as the follow-ups, cut off an angle for the rotation, like they're not doing that in this team so the problem is at the moment you've got two teams that know how to play two styles of Counter-Strike and there seems to be no overlap between those styles right now and so the major problem for me is I have I, I can question most of the players like Zeroog just isn't as good as he was Dupree has some games he is. Megas has some all right games. Masuta sometimes is terrible. He actually, believe it or not, this is how bad Vitality's major's been. He was even having some good games at this major up until a few before. So the fact that he was required to even get you over the line in some bad games. like, And then finally, the Zonic angle, mate... This is why I actually am so glad that great Astralis team did not all retire because people would have taken that narrative till the end of time that they would have never lost a major. They were unbeatable. They were always going to figure out Counter-Strike. Every player was the best. But you take all the pieces apart and you realise it was they were more than the sum of their parts. They were a team that were all on the same page. They were a team that all bought into the same philosophy. In fact, if you know the Zonic angle, they were maybe even raised with that philosophy for years and years because people always forget that one angle. I think it's the most unfair angle of all time. 
time. You know when everyone tries to do the comparison of like, well, Carrigan had the Astralis players and he didn't get as much out of Glaive. It's even madder than that. Zonic had them all the whole time. He got to work with them in one IGL, bring them up, go through the hard times. Then everyone sort of deletes that. He was on the team that never won, you'll notice. And then when they win, they go, oh, Zonic, he's a fucking genius. What a G, greatest coach ever. Well, I'll tell you what, homie. You know when I always said people have always underrated the Carrigan international teams? Not least because, unfortunately, the Phase 2018 lineup was the, like, Galacticos. It's like, well, yeah, anyone would win if you have all the best players. It's like, no, mate. What's amazing about Carrigan is he gets all the lineups pretty good. Like, Think about how I was brutally criticising FaZe Clan at PGL Stockholm, Richard. Yeah. Mate, PGL, that team, compared to what Astralis has been since and what bloody Vitality's been, it just shows, again, Carrigan is a miracle worker, mate. He can take washed Olaf Meister and go, like, fucking almost top eight in a major. Like, what is this shit? Meanwhile, as we're saying, Sonic, on, on paper, football manager, has a banging lineup. On paper, he has a top three lineup in the world. In the server, he has, like, the 13th best lineup in the world. This is whack. And then on top of that... I w my logic went like this as well. This did not play out of this major at all. My logic was right. It hasn't gotten going on with Richard. It's so far been a damp squib from the beginning. It's not even like I have the positive signs I have with Gambit. But the, the logic goes like this. Yes, but if you're Zewu, you've been so hungry for proper teammates, you're going to be so motivated for the major because this is your chance. This is like neat, simple. The last major, like I've got the team now, dude. We can win. And then if you're the players like Dupree and Magisk, Homie, you haven't played like a world-class player the last few years. You were signed for this moment. You were signed to be the most experienced player ever, Dupree. And instead, you just you just put in an average performance. So the problem was, the idea that they'll all come together and with the pressure of the... No, none of it. If anything, they got eaten up by the pressure, mate. If anything... I mean, you saw it. Dupree even admitted he cried after this. This wasn't yeah. like, oh, just a bad game. No, they. I think they sort of know... Like, it must be incredibly frustrating, by the way. This whole thing just hasn't worked. And the worst part about it is there's an obvious couple of moves you could do, but then that's just going to reset the whole process. So then you... you I mean, so, for example, the obvious moves you can do is, one, you can try and buy your Kindle, which a lot of people are going to do right now, especially because everyone's eliminated. He would be a brilliant upgrade from a suitor. And the other angle, the obvious one, is Magisk IGLs now because we've got Zonic. The problem with that, again, though, is I would potentially do both, but you are also resetting the whole clock. Anything you have been working on is not going to contribute forwards you're going to switch your style. And I have to say, this line just has not worked. And to me, the Zewu one's the most disturbing angle. Because it's like, that's the one thing we all took for granted. Like, he'll get his. He'll he'll still be world. Like, mate, he's gotten worse. He has gotten worse. And unfortunately, these players, this is why you can never take for granted that. And it's why I always say, if Carrigan wins a major with one of these teams with an international roster... In terms of one-off tournaments, it's the greatest accomplishment ever in Counter-Strike. I didn't say CSGO, I said Counter-Strike. Because people don't get it. There's a reason you all have to be from the same country. The edges are there, and it's across the board, culture, things. There's even the angle I think's mad underrated, which is you probably played a million gathers with that guy. You might even have been in a team when he was semi-pros. Who the fuck? Like, look, you might have played a gather with Apex, but you were never going to be in his team. You were never talking about Counter-Strike. Like, you basically, he could come from Mars, you come from fucking Neptune. Like, there's no connection whatsoever. So I have to say, even though on paper, yes, you still look at the roster and go, it could work. It's like, after watching the games, it can't work. I actually don't know how you fix this, like I said, beyond drastic changes. I think you do. I don't think you do. And if anything, I, I mean, obviously this is reading into the situation, but when I saw when when I saw that the Dupree, you know, is just balling and you're just sitting here thinking, is it going through his mind? Is this is this the device situation where it's just like the what could have been? Like the all the, the chain of decisions that have led up to this situation where that team is broken and now you find yourself in a position where you have to speak a foreign language and try and play at an elite level and you are just looking ahead and saying, we are so fucked. <laughs> like this is fucked. Like we're 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 total. Like it's not going to happen. Because I feel like that's why we've seen why we haven't seen Device come back. Device is trying to find a way to get back into a Danish team. He's trying to find his way back. Pure speculation on my part. There's just some a, things no, that no, I haven't or anything like that. It's just me speculating based off of what we've sure. seen so far. But like to me, it feels like Device has regretted the nip play forever. And now you've got you've got essentially the trio from Old Astralis and Vitality who are probably thinking the exact same thing. Like how the fuck did we let this happen? And why am I right here getting knocked out, not making top eight at a major? Like how did this happen? And so, you know, after that, it's going to be like, whose feet, at whose feet do the, does the blame lay, et cetera. And keep in mind, it's almost certain device isn't uh, going back to NIP. Based on what Hampus yeah. said in HLTV, he said, this is the lineup I want to play moving forward. So, Esther tags in open now, guys. So, I don't think, uh, I think it was, it, it felt like a device was definitely just trying to find either a way to stop playing or a way back. 
not any way forward here mm -hmm. when he was moving, you know, he's moved back to Copenhagen, I mean, or moved back to Denmark, at least, you know, he's not even in Sweden anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it just felt like the whole thing was just going to fall apart. Uh, It'll well, go down. That that will uh, completely unrelate to the major. That will go down as the most flop transfer of all time. Oh, sad, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I thought snacks to mouse sports was bad, but <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Bringing that back in. I mean, so as far as this vitality is concerned, I mean, you're thinking Zywu as well, individual performance. I think the language barrier is probably going to be one of the biggest ones. A yeah. in terms of utility used around him, but I think you know, just like it is a totally different beast. Calming, uh, Yanko actually in the No Majors Club the other day, he mentioned that in terms of uh, uh making Cold Zera take English lessons, where he was just like, You are taking English lessons because that that two second difference it takes you to actually express yourself could mean the difference between us qualifying and us getting knocked out, and those sorts of scenarios. I mean, it's just going to be every round where communication is going to be key, and if you don't have it, I think you're bang Ooh. on the money Duncan, when, when yeah, you talk it, about. Well the international put, rosters. Yeah, to put it in context, Emily, as well, like statistically, as things stand, um, you know, at, you know at, at, at that stage at the major, uh, in earnest, he's the 10th highest ranked player on HLTV. Oh, that, that ain't enough, come on. Yeah, right, you know, with, with a 1.19 rating. People above him include Perfecto, Stown, who's really emerged. You know, obviously it's on a much smaller map pool because they went straight through 3-0. and all. My dark horse pick from this very podcast, Team Spirit, Patsy, came out of absolutely nowhere. You know what I mean? Like he was playing on, I think it was the Esparta lineup, or he might come from Spirit Academy. They're effectively one and the same. But anyway, you know, he's like fourth. Dija at Ents has been amazing. Spinks, number two. Who else did we talk about? And and Bit, obviously, number one. Could even be the MVP of the whole major if Navi win it, which would be fucking mental. Um, but you know, like what Zewu just hasn't really been in the running with the great players at this event. And that's like Duncan says, not enough, not good enough. He's got to find something individual. He's got to find a way to make it work in the team that's around him. Even think of this contrast. He has the same stats and is just below Monacy. Yeah. But I, off the top of my head, isn't this like Monacy's, if you count in the RMRs as separate, is this like his fourth LAN ever in pro Counter-Strike? Isn't the guy 17 years old, barely? Yeah. He's yeah. also an Opa, and he's even playing also in a mixed LAN against team. Like, mate, what's your excuse? Because here's my problem. I didn't put Zewu next to Simple. Other people, including his fans, did that constantly. Because what they did was, because he was the king of the first year, I even gave him that one. And then the next one was online, you know, remember last major, Richard? That's aged so poorly for those fans, hasn't it? Remember when I pointed out last major, effectively, over half of Zewu's career has been farming people on the internet. Spoiler, everyone was doing it, but the difference is that wasn't half of their career, was it? Yeah. They had four or five years before. So what I was trying to make the point of is, you can't give those people those years as though they were land years, because as we're talking about in this podcast, and it's becoming ever more clear every land we go to, land is so different from online Counter-Strike, it may as well not be included. That's why, if people don't know, even though Semler back in the day was casting all the online games no one ever talked about those storylines at LAN and I didn't even used to watch the online games mate because it had no fucking relevance if people want to know the maddest one ever this is how I knew LAN meant nothing uh, online meant nothing Device won online tournaments way before he won any of the LANs they used to beat Nip VP and all those teams on the internet because it was just yep. the internet so they could just play normally then on the LAN they would never beat them you bet your house against those motherfuckers and you won every single time basically so my problem in this scenario is like this guy unfortunately he's had his periods where he was amazing but I do think that people one thing I always tried to stress on all of those lineups that I think always got lost was this stats wise it is totally unfair stats wise it does look like Nico and Mouse Spots simple in the old teams but the one area it was never like that is he had veterans he had people around him who clearly knew how to play for him, how to play for the team, how to play unselfish, how to play shit roles that no one wants to do. When you do all that, and then you've got one of the best players in the world, yeah, he could be he, that's, he can take every kill and he can take over the scoreboard. The problem has been, now you've given better teammates, now you've taken away excuses, now you give him reps. And on top of that, there's one last detail that people aren't going to like. I'm going to do a video on this soon. We've given this guy these titles, not just for online play, but just for general play in Counter-Strike. And you know that has never existed in the history of CSGO. If people know the history of Simple's career, skill-wise, he was probably the best in like 2017, boys, way before he even won. But all we said every time, remember the narrative against Simple, like, well, why hasn't he won the major then? Why, well, remember when he made that major final though and got beaten? Are people aware, Zewu's entire career of the biggest events ever, majors, Kanavice, Cologne, all lands, he has once ever made top eight instantly eliminated. 
And most of the majors, he's even had underperformances numbers-wise. These are the tournaments where you become a legend, by the way. You don't get to be a legend without doing it at those tournaments. You can't just go, yeah, but what about that time I won ESO on Claude online, though? And what about that time I won that, like, a medium-sized line? And what about when we won IEM Winter? Like, no, no one gives a shit, mate. I'm sorry. When you want to be the greatest player of all time, you A, perform at the major, and then B, eventually your team's going to do well. And the reason why I say A, perform, is because a very underrated detail about Simple is, mate, he is the best, even before he won the major, he was the best player ever at the majors. You can go look every major he just hard carries even when he's like even when he's 16 even when he's in bad teams it doesn't matter he just does it and that's why for me i actually genuinely think i used to have a category and it went like this it used to be nico and simple are the ones who are just they, they're just like they're just like the messiahs they're just they're just not even human and then i had zero it was nico simple zero they're the aliens it's only simple now and the reason it's only simple is because he is the only player that plays like everyone else in the world's an NPC and it's a one-player game. Every single fucking day this guy wakes up, he just is the best player. And if he's not the best player, he's not the best player for that game. These guys can just have a month off because guess what? They're human. By the way, they're still very, very good when they're in their streaks. Even their streaks look amazing. But as long as simple exists, they will always be in his shadow, I'm afraid. And this is the sort of result where as much as you want to say things like he's still young in his career, he still hasn't had that many lands himself, by the way. He's only had like two years worth roughly now. You're still plenty of factors that can go. Like, for example, here's the thing. In three, four years, he might be the absolute best. Maybe he could even be what simple is. But don't ever put someone at that status when you think of what simple had to do to earn that, mate. He had a whole career to do this. And he had to, he did it all uphill as well. So I think, to, like, to me, unfortunately, this is why, like, if you're Zewu, if I'm Vitality, I'm almost going back to forgetting the, like, fantasy of, like, he's a god. I'm going, I've got a young guy here who's had certain teams he succeeded in when he had a lot of veterans around him who taught him how to play the game. They integrated him in their system. They they clearly all worked on his mentality, morale, make him feel comfortable, insulated. Now what we have to do is figure out how do we do They have to almost treat him like he's Monacy and just make it gradually bring it back again because I feel like the pressure has been too much on this guy now you know when he once even said that quote where he was like I do not compare myself to simple is that good motherfucker don't that's about that's a bit of a shot or whatever I mean you hope that Vitality's management are looking at it from that perspective exactly uh, because it does feel like they're going to have to if, if you're going to rebuild and they've made it very clear in the past as well signing the multi-year deal with them made yeah, a big yeah. Out of that, right? So it's clear that the, you know Zaiwu for them. They've made the moves in, in terms of the roster. They've secured his services for, for several years. Like they want to build around him. So hopefully that is going to be the play going forward. Is that they're just going to kind of take a step back and reassess and figure out what it is that they need to do to build his confidence back up. And if it is just fully giving him all resources and going back to where he was at his best, which is everybody sets up for him. Well, then that's going to have to be the play, and they're going to have to figure out if uh, Dupree and Magus are even capable of doing uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and he's burned a few majors now. Also, it was two he made the round of it, but yeah, he's he's burned like a couple more majors as well. Hopefully, now you know. Hopefully, it's going to be pretty regular. You know, like two majors a year. Yes, You're exactly. Some, yes, I some opportunities here to get back into some big lands as well. Uh, you know, the the, the future is looking up now that we've gotten through. You know, these two years of just essentially what hiatus almost it feels like. By the way, that's another reason why I also think, unfortunately, people ran too far with the narrative when we were online. It's like if we'd have had the normal schedule, similar, we'd have had like three majors by now in the middle. So he would sure. either have proven it there, in which case, cool, or he'd have even got the reps in. Yeah, so now he'd be ready. But like realistically, isn't this like the guy's fourth major or something? Like four majors, and listen, it is if you want to be the greatest enough, but for normal players, sometimes you're still just getting them going after the first couple, you know? So, yeah, I, I, we have, it has also been an unusual circumstance for him, true. Well, I feel like we're going to be running a little bit out of time and we haven't even touched on the bracket yet. So, uh, All right. uh, I know that, I, you know, and I know you guys are nonstop cranking out shows as well. So, I'm sure you're going to have some t opportunities to talk on some of the other ones. I mean, there's G2. And to fans are already well. accusing us of uh, throwing away the gold on this one. So. So they apparently Pop Flash is now the, the it, we've made it the best. We we only use the gold on this and well, there you go. Well, put all you go. put all the shit on our own. I'll so. let you guys save your thoughts on G two for uh, for the other one then, okay? Because uh, I know all that right, there's going to be a lot to go on over there. Uh, Carlos alone. I mean, I, I I even jumped in on it a little bit where I was like, listen, Carlos, you don't you know you got your pistol round now. Now's you know no more excuses. And uh, it just they didn't... played like absolute bitches this event. And uh, man, it was hard to watch. It was yeah. hard to watch. It so, was hard. There to you watch. go. That's all you need. All right. 
There we go. So hold on. What I wanted to get is because now we actually have the bracket. The bracket's been aligned and that's going to be kicking off. So I'm going to run right through it real quick. And what I wanted to do is just ask, you know, like, which is your match that you want All to right. watch that you're looking forward to most and that uh, you're really looking into. So first one is Team Spirit versus Furia Esports. So already that's that's all over the place. FaZe Clan versus Ninjas in Pajamas is the second quarterfinal. Uh, third quarterfinals, Ents versus Copenhagen Flames. And then Madness, Heroic versus Navi is the fourth quarterfinal. So, man, these... Yeah, in Heroic Navi already, FaZe Nip, I mean, these are two monster matches. But then you still have, like, Spirit went 3-0 in the Legends phase, so are they going to be a team that should just murder Furia and move on to the semifinals? Like, what are your thoughts? What's the match that really stands out for you? And now, Richard, let's start with you on this one. What do you? Which one are you uh, looking forward to most? I'm going to back my Dark Horse pick as I had from the start. I, I thought Furia being presented as a viable Dark Horse, potential major winner, I always felt that was a little bit uh, disingenuous and predicated on the fact that, yes, we all love Furia because of the Yuri K. Serato core but let's let's also talk about the the clear deficiencies furia has as a team and that is that right now art is a fucking liability unquestionably his non-stop pushing aggressive play style it was cute 18 months ago two years ago he's been found out now every time you watch him push i watched him the other day when they when they were playing you know keep in mind how high the stakes were in that game against uh, g2 and I saw him on maps push, like when everyone else was equal, buy a gun, push and die. I mean, like unconscionable. Exactly un the you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, unforgivable shit, right? And, and and he's doing it all the time. And it's like, listen, I get it. Some What made Furious stand out when they first emerged to prominence in like 2019 as the top five team in the world, big scalps, like that, it was that unpredictability. Now what they need is polish. That is what this Furia team lacks. And art is the biggest problem, in my opinion. You add to that, by the way, that his play style is like so sort of redundant, especially in the current meta. Smokes, silence them for, save meta, boring maps. You know what I mean? Like you running around on CT and dying all the time is not helping. Then you've got safe. I think safe has been great since he's come in this team. It was the move I wanted. I thought he was the next Brazilian Orper to step up. They've had a great history when it comes to all players from that country. And he was the next one in line to have a chance at tier one. I think he's been solid. It's his first major, like, you know, at this level, it's the first time he's played at the stakes, you know, this, this high. It's the first time he's been in a spotlight like this. And then drop on his second major from the academy team. He popped off the other day and dragged him across the line. He's got that in him, but he's still raw. He's still unpolished. And so there are deficiencies on this Furia team. They're ranked seventh in the world. I, I'm not vibing with that. I don't even, that might be a little bit fugazi. Meanwhile, on the other side, Team Spirit, as I said, Patsy has been like the second best player at this stage of the tournament. Yes, only over a five map sample size but he's been great Dexter was the best player in the challenger stage or the second best player in the challenger stage and he's been phenomenal this tournament and the reason I believed in spirit and that core was like Chopper Dexter Magics they they can really really do things and what they missed online was they were still experimenting trying to find what these academy players could do Siren and Patsy they're mega comfortable at LAN and so I, I'm going to tell you, I think all the Furia fans, I think you're in for disappointment. I'm going to say Spirit 2-1, uh, and I think Spirit are going to be good value for it. Ooh, the prediction on top. Spirit 2-1. Okay, then. I like it. I like it. Thorne, what are you thinking here? What's, what's the match that stands out to you? I mean, the obvious one to me is Heroic Navi, because not only has it always been a very good matchup, but it also matchup, is a matchup, yeah. like, as we're saying with the teams, that this could have been the final if the bracket was different. Like, this, yeah. this is very much a matchup that could be one of the best of the tournament, could be the best of the tournament. But beyond that, because I have to say, I, I actually think Ents, Copenhagen, Flames, I don't really care about that game very much. I think Ents is the better team, but, like, it's just the problem is they're all just, they're all effectively, like, rookies to this phase, so I, I can't get the same hype around it, you know, I can't know yet who's going to do anything. The match I actually think is the sleeper is the phase nip one, because 
Because in your brain, you're going to go number one team. But like, remember, this number one team isn't like the Navi number one team from the last no. week. They're not destined to win. They might win if they do everything right. And the problem is this. Because NIP, and by the way, this is why, before I even heard those rumblings I talked about, that Device won't be playing in NIP. Or if he does, it'll just be like briefly and they'll go to another team. Is because once I noticed early in the year, this is something I found mad suspicious. Sometimes teams were stand-ins, you know, they can still pull it together. Or not. They, they looked like a real team, though. And then now suddenly we even get these comments like, I think we just stick with this life. Like, mate, this is the team now. The Brawlan deal was for Brawlan. Remember, I even said that as an option, Richard. No one else yeah. cared about it. I yeah. said, they're all good, but imagine device. I said, mate, what if this is instead of device? What if yeah. this is sort of like, hey, you know what, Swedish fans? We got you the best Swedish player, because spoiler, Cristiano Ronaldo device is going like, that's the move. And I tell you what, it's working. And right now, look, they haven't got an opera like device, of course, but like the coach guy seems like he's done a banging job. They're, all the players are playing well. The joke is, Rez now actually does deserve the status that people were giving him last year when he was a little bit over. That narrative is legit. He, he actually is putting up, Stockholm as well, yeah, mate. He's putting up some of the best numbers in the world now. So this yeah. team, all of a sudden, like, and their map pool's pretty decent. Like, it's surprising. It's a little bit better than people would imagine because the thing is, they're not like the best on a map. Like, they're pretty ancient. But, like, aside from that, they can play a lot, though. So here's the thing. There's a world where you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. They could win that game. They really could. And that, mm. by the way, the entire major goes on its head if that happens. I would still, of course, take phase. I don't think they've slipped up yet. Still look very good. Team does it by committee. But that's one where I think fans are going to go. Phase is in the final. Who even cares about this? It's like, mm, we'll see. We'll see on that one. They've got a, They've got actually one of the more dodgy quarterfinals opponents. Yeah. And as well, here's the other thing as well, Samler. The good part about the bullshit angle of like, well, we haven't got our real team for nippies. No pressure on you in this game. Zero pressure on you in this game. You already did it, homie. Everyone's loving it. And by that angle, you can even go, I'm using a stand-in or I'm using my sixth player. So I actually think you just play free and clear in that game and you just fucking go for it, mate. And that is a dangerous underdog to play. The reason yeah, why that, I think totally that's uh, the game that's got me most excited as well is just because FaZe have got so much pressure on them. I mean, not only Kerrigan, but like, you know, Rain may be getting to the tail end of his career. If he's revitalized it here, how many years has he got left in this? You know, can he keep making top eights? You know, there's a lot of players who have got a lot to prove. Twist, you know, moved across the con across the world to go ahead and compete in the highest level. You know, he's looking to perform here. Uh, there's going to be enormous pressure on FaZe to come up with the goods. And uh, and I think you're bang on the money. I think on the nip side, it's uh, you know, they're just like, well, cool. Where we made top eight, let's go. How far can we go? Right? Like, there's it's just going to be one match at a time for nip, and I don't think that the expectations are going to be as high for those players. So uh, they're going to be dangerous. That's going to be a very very interesting match to watch. I think. Also uh, Rich, worth mentioning to... as well, Rain is in the top ten of those players statistically again at this stage of the major. Amazing. You know, the pl the player we have to drop for JKS apparently. Yeah. Like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> it's awesome, man. It's awesome to see contempt for your opinions. Like, if, if you're watching this, have you ever thought dropping rain from phase was some sort of like insta fix for them to win championships? Like, fuck you. There we go. That's <laughs> the sign up. Yeah. <laughs> new sign up for butt flash. Fuck you. <laughs> that's a wrap all right well thanks guys man it's always a pleasure to hear your thoughts yeah. on that yes and i look forward to every show so thanks again for another wonderful one and uh thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, be sure to uh like and subscribe it helps us out and uh, i think the new thing on youtube is sharing so if you share uh, yeah. that'll help as well so definitely get that and uh, leave us some comments below but uh you know hope you guys had fun and uh what well, we'll definitely be doing another show after the major and we'll be uh, looking at the results together so we'll see you then